If you're looking for answers, you come to the right place. Have discussions with some people that all have a different case. She's been working and searching for every point of view. You'll find answers on this podcast. It's red, white, and true. Yeah. Okay, before we jump into this episode, a huge shout out to Ariana Barrent for writing and producing our theme song. It is amazing, and I am so grateful that she lent us her talents. Thank you, Ariana! Hi, everybody! Welcome to Red, White, and True, a podcast that aims to navigate the world of America's polarized partisan politics. I'm your host, Chesney, and I use she, her pronouns. Welcome to the first episode! A brief overview of what's to come. In each installment, we will tackle a controversial issue that has left the country in fervent debate. Our guests, passionate high school students, will share their informed perspectives so that you, our listeners, can decide what the country really needs. There is a reason adults find teenagers, across the political spectrum, rebellious, because they mistake our developing political beliefs as naivety. In reality, these ideas are a critical, fresh, and curious lens into politics, which makes me believe that young people are the ones we should all be listening to. Our first topic is a doctrine that seeks to change the very nature of society, distributing the wealth of the 1% and publicizing private property. Its name, derived from the Latin root communis, meaning shared, started to appear in the 19th century. However, the Encyclopedia Britannica can trace its presence back to 4th century BCE in Plato's Republic, which described the ideal society as one where the ruling class lives to serve the needs of an entire community. Many of us know it from its father, German philosopher Karl Marx. Hopefully, by now, you've guessed it. We're talking about communism. Many young people are seeing cracks form in the United States capitalist society, ones that might have always been there but take a teenager's uniquely critical eye to examine. The wealth gap is enormous. Poverty USA's 2019 study found that over 42.5 million people in the United States live below the poverty line. Meanwhile, the wealthiest part of our population, predominantly white men, continues to get richer. We've all heard Bo Burnham's song on Jeff Bezos. And not because they're the most hardworking. Most people in this country are tired, hungry, and frustrated. Karl Marx's words, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs, don't sound too bad. But others accept these broken parts of society's structure as a necessary evil. The United States has survived this long, right? Creating an equal world without hierarchies contradicts humans' biological need for competition. As Gandhi famously said, Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's greed. The attempted communist regimes were, in fact, poorly adopted socialism, and we've seen throughout history they have morphed into brutal dictatorships. See Mao's China, Stalin's Soviet Union, Fidel Castro's Cuba, the list goes on. So... Is a communist society an idealistic, impossible idea? Or is it the radical change needed for our country's radical problems? Our first guest is someone I met in AP European History last year, current junior Areg Karupian. Hi Areg, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, uh, happy to be here. Uh, Won't have it any other way. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I was in AP Euro with you last year, which is why I reached out to you for this podcast, because you had some really great ideas on communism. And specifically, um, I would like to ask you, what are some of the pillars and values of communism that you think would not benefit society? And then kind of contrary to that point, 
what sucks about capitalism for lack of a better word like what's wrong with the system we have now yeah so however you want to answer those questions yeah okay so answering to that question from my point of view literally nothing <laughs> it's okay from it's lack of economic expansion uh suppression of uh of speech through through often through brutal force um it's the redistribution of wealth has devastated economies such as uh, such as my homeland Armenia. Um, it has still not recovered from the effects of Soviet socialism uh, during uh, World War One, and that can obviously still be seen by uh, the inflation crisis. Quite frankly, their economies are not good. Suppression of speech often rooted uh, in genocide, and usually has uh, and several instances of anti-Semitism have been shown throughout history uh, to be associated with, uh, with communism. I don't know if you've uh, heard of the Holomotor, but um, a lot of people were killed because of that. And it was uh, partially in relation to communism. It's, it essentially gives you no freedom, no speech, and it allows no opposition parties and essentially leaves leaves one party in control and total power of essentially everything. I, I think there's a lot of validity to that. And also, um, you know, that kind of ties into the state of nature that we've discussed, you know, in class and outside of in other contexts, um, you know, that humans have this barbaric nature that they will return to if they are not exposed to some form of order. Um, exactly. And also, yeah so can you tell me talk to me more though do you see any um do you see any downsides of capitalism that's something that um that people can definitely view as exploitative such as uh something we've seen from uh amazon workers uh, right. because the way they work is just brutal they barely get any breaks and their wages are not that good but yeah. the thing is, you have a choice where you work. So that's one uh, sort of thing I can see to essentially go around that. Uh, people, wh what I hear most of the time is, uh, is that it is extremely stressful and that it's just extremely hard on them, uh, the system in which, uh, in which we currently have to work. People not wanting that stress, people not wanting that uh, pressure on them, is just so okay one of my main principles is i believe in hard work which is how i'm sort of gonna try and climb myself to the top just do hard work that's essentially the conservative principle is hard work anything no matter your uh your race gender ethnicity anything is possible and that's something i truly believe in. and the people that i i think go against uh capitalism well how it is right now is they simply don't want to work because I have seen so many people push for more so, uh, socialist ideas. And what my, my grandparents' hard work, my parents' hard work, everybody's hard work to reach the places that they are would be immediately undermined by any sort of system that essentially has you do nothing. No, thank you. That's a great response. And I really appreciate you tying it into, you know, your family and what you see in class. Those are all really strong examples. One thing I will say as a possible contradiction that someone would have, you said people who, um, you know, work hard regardless of race, class and gender. Everyone basically starts at the same level and working hard can take them where they want to go. 
and a contradiction would be that people of different races, classes, and genders do not all, you know, there are systems of oppression that work against those certain groups, right? And so they, sometimes you start at a deficit, right? So working hard cannot bring you to the place where you want to go. Does the, what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Definitely in the 50s, this was a 100% true statement. Now, in this uh, current landscape, I am not as sure of that. Um, it's, Interesting. There okay. are, especially in the last couple of years, I'd say that problem has definitely gone down exponentially in the terms of economic, uh, economic equality. Yes, interesting. That's definitely a good point. So I feel like the fundamental difference between these two arguments, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the the landscape of of oppression and of inequality and how that has changed. There seems to be a disagreement on that level, which in turn influences how we feel about capitalism and communism. Not we, like not you and me. Obviously, my opinion is not part of this, but the two hypothetical situations we're talking about. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, uh, okay. thank you so much for inviting me on. Our second guest is Brian Yan, current senior and president of Carlmont's Political Theory Club. Well, Brian, thank you so much for hopping on. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump right in. And can you walk me through your political identity and how you became interested in politics? Um, well, I like to uh, call myself a, a communist. Um, I sort of take uh, Angela Davis's approach and call myself a, a small C communist because uh, how we get there isn't really uh, as important to me as the uh, goal itself. Um, I got into politics because of my brother. Um, he majors in political science. Um, yeah, he was a very uh, important inspiration to me. Uh, he introduced me to uh, uh, Karl Marx uh, and the idea of socialism in general. Um, yeah. Great. Okay, awesome. And then but what are some of the pillars and values of communism that um, would benefit society? Why do we need it? Um, I think to answer that, uh, we need to also talk about uh, the problems of capitalism. Yes, definitely. Um, so to start under capitalism, workers are uh, paid wages for their labor while the boss takes what is left of the profits. Um, the problem many uh, leftists see with this uh, is that the boss didn't do anything besides own the means of production to uh, get any sort to get the uh, money out of it. Right. Um, so this is the same with landlords, essentially charging rent uh, simply by owning land. Uh, the um, influential liberal economist Adam Smith actually said that uh, landlords um, reap what they have not sown. Mm. Um, so the fundamental problem is that someone is essentially charging a tax on workers in order for them to work on their production line. Um, this isn't 
uh, you know, this isn't dissimilar to how uh, labor was organized under feudalism, uh, as the serfs were charged uh, by the feudal lord to work on the lord's field. Another criticism of communism is that it undermines, its principles undermine hard work. And let me clarify, I believe what I hear you saying is that these those principles or the hard work that we've been taught to appreciate was in fact the influence of capitalism on our schools on our family life so in a sense it's not um hard work is not a part of human nature as important as it's made out to be but rather that's part of the society and societal values is that correct yeah i mean i don't think hard work is really inherent to humans. I mean, they will work to survive, survive but I wouldn't right. say it's part of their human nature. Um, on, the, yeah, on the larger uh, idea that hard work isn't really a part of communism, um, you know, that's uh, very, very strange argument. I mean, I've heard it uh, it's very common, um, but you know, under capitalism, there's a boss who doesn't work at all, but they're still getting richer than their workers who are putting in the work. And is that not uh, is that not an argument against uh, capitalism as well? I mean, well, fair enough. I would say it is, but again, some would argue that the boss, in most cases, again, this is not representative of all the scenarios, but the boss in most cases has to work hard to get to that position. Not always, but whether that be through their education or, and again, that, that can be aided by race, class, gender, you know, all of these previously yeah. established cycles of oppression. oppression. Yeah. Um, I want to uh, address the uh, specific critique of uh, communism now. Um, under communism, uh, you know, there's the famous line uh, from each according to ability to each according to need. Right. What it's essentially saying is if you give what you can, you will receive as much uh, as you need. So under communism, you still have to work. It's right. just that instead of being paid some measly wage by a boss who doesn't care about you, um, the collective will uh, basically pool their resources uh, because they no longer have to sell um, sell commodities for profit. They will pool their resources and redistribute them uh, for the betterment of uh, human society rather than uh, make a profit. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for this discussion. It was great. I really appreciate all of your thoughts and ideas. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you again for having me. Now it's your turn. Got any thoughts? Email them to redwhiteandtruepod at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for listening and have a safe September.